Welcome to the Metro Detroit Christian Church Podcast. Up next, you will hear a message delivered by one of our pastors or guest speakers. We pray that you encounter Jesus Christ as you engage with this message. Into our seats. Really grateful to the Lord today. Let's look at this, <clears throat> this slide here. The title of my teaching today is Christ is Building Up His House to Address the Enemy in the City. I think I might need to come down a little bit in the mains, but don't take me down here. Christ is building up his house to address the enemy in, his, in the city. Let me say this again. Christ is building up his house to address the enemy in the city. That's what this psalm gives us a picture of. Psalm 127 it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. We just experienced that. The Lord was all over that announcement. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. I would love to preach on this whole psalm, but I'm not going to today. I just want us to see something. That the Lord is building the house and guarding the city. That's one thing. It's one connected, integrated work. The patterns by which the Lord builds his house, which is the church, the body, they release dynamics to protect the city. Let me say that again. The patterns by which Christ is building his church, his house, it releases dynamics to protect the city. The house is a territorial force in the city. If the church is down, the city is out. If the church is built wrong, then what is in the city will start entering the church. The church is to be built in such a way. Our lives are to be built in such a way because we are the church. We are the body, the ecclesia. It's to be built in such a way that as we enter the marketplace, as we enter our lives with our jobs, our neighborhoods, our shopping, our voting, as we enter those realms, it pushes out destructive, invading forces that want to destroy the city. This is the way to take a city, according to this psalm, is build the house. And building the house is about raising children and discipling people. Because Jesus calls disciples little children. So the way the house is to be built is to raise children, disciple believers in the gospel, until they 
have unreservedness of speech. They speak with the enemies out in the culture. Build the church like that. Your sons and your daughters will go to the gate and speak directly and confidently and boldly, breaking up the values of the culture that are entrenched there by principalities. This is where we are going in the year of God's government, which is three years of God's government, which is 10 years of God's advancing government. We're being built in this way so that we can address the enemies in the region. But what I want to focus on today is not so much the city element. We've done a lot of focus on that. We had a great focus on that last week. But I want to look at building up the house because Christ is building us. And I want to just look at that again, how he's doing it. And what I'm about about to preach about is not new to probably most of you. But we need to hear it again so the pattern of how Christ is building gets real clear and we can cooperate with the process. So at the end of December, I woke up with the Holy Spirit speaking. It was almost audible to me. He spoke very clearly. I woke up and he said, build up the individual, build up the family, build up the body, build up the community. And I I sensed in those words, we could have me down a little bit in the, the monitors. I sensed in those words that, I was given a three-year assignment to oversee this congregation to make sure that you are built up as an individual, to make sure that your family is built up, to make sure that we as a people are built up, and to make sure that what comes out of our lives is building up the community surrounding us. This is the ministry of Christ, to build up. He said very clearly, I will build my people, my assembly, my ecclesia, my body, my church. I'm going to build that. Christ is a minister. Christ builds up his body through his ministry. Christ is a minister and he builds up his body through his ministers. Look at this scripture in First Pity. First Pity. <laughs> wow. <laughs> First Pity 411. Get it all out. Come on. I have to do this regularly at my family table. Get get all your giggles out. Get it out, honey. (laughs) If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So Christ is, 
is a minister. And he supplies his nature, his power to us to be ministers. Our ministry begins with Christ's ministry to us. His ministry is to build you up. So you are going to this year come into a greater flow of Christ's ministering to you. So that you can minister to yourself. Because before you love your neighbor, you have to love yourself. This is God's advancing government. <laughs> His ministry is to build you up. His ministry is to build up your family. So Christ is ministering to, your, to you parents so that you can minister to your family. Christ is ministering to you husbands so you can minister to your wife. Christ is ministering to you wives so you can minister to your husband. Christ is ministering. He's supplying his nature, and his power to you. He's just giving it to you so that you can build your children up. Those who are built up have authority over the demonic realm. When you're not built up, the demonic realm is invading you. When you are built up, you are invading the demonic realm. It's, it's either one way or the other. There's no in-between. There's no gray. So being built up is critical. D.L. Moody said, I've never known God to use a depressed man. So it's imperative that we get built up. And Christ is going to minister to us. He, he, he is already ministering to us today. He's been so gracious today. With his shepherding grace, his gentle but real supply of his spirit to us. He's so... Isn't he amazing to us every single week after week after week after month after month after year? Jesus, we just have to stop and thank you for being such a wonderful head over our life and ministering, supplying the Spirit to us in just great measure week after week, month after month, and year after year. Thank you, Lord. Christ is going to build us up so we can build up. We can supply something to the community by what he is supplying to us. Christ is the source of all the supply. The term minister is used a lot in the New Testament. Paul said he was a minister of the gospel. Timothy was referred to as a, a brother and minister of God, a laborer in the gospel to establish us and encourage us in the faith. So the word that's translated from the Greek word, the word minister is translated from the Greek word diakonos. And that word means one who executes the commands of another. A minister is executing the commands of another. A minister is a servant of another. It, that word can also mean the servant of a king. The minister is a servant of the king. And the origin of that word comes from another Greek word that means to run on errands. 
So we're just errand boys and errand girls. We get to come before our king, and he breathes, he supplies his energy and his power to us, and he says, go do this for me. And we do those errands, and we come back. It's a wonderful life. You, you, you don't want to be in his position. <laughs> Jesus tells the story, actually Matthew tells the story in Matthew 20 of James and John and their mother. And they, their mother, she comes with James and John before Jesus. Here they are. Can you see her? She's coming with her boys who are probably, you know, late teens, early 20s. They're men. And James and John are going, Mom, come on, come on. She comes and she kneels before Jesus. Boys, kneel, kneel. <laughs> Mom! And she goes, Jesus, when you inherit your throne, will you please place my boys, one on your right and one on your left? <laughs> How would you feel if your mom did that? My mother used to do that for me all the time. Play the piano for them, son. <laughs> That's what mothers do. Jesus answered and he said, you don't know what you're asking, mother. Are you able, and now he speaks to all three of them, are you able to come to the cross immersion on March 30th? Are you able to leave your life behind and give a whole day, 12, 16 hours? Are you able to drink the cup once again? Are you able to swallow it down, the cup that I'm about to drink? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm drinking? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we're able. Jesus rolls his eyes. He says, you will indeed drink my cup. And you will be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right hand and my left hand, that's not mine to give. It's only for those that it's been prepared for by my Father, and that's all of us. It's not an exclusive spot. There's not like the two guys in our histories, like, okay, God's going to look out through, oh, I think um, Martin Luther in the, you know, the late, late, early 1500s, he did a great job. I think he'd get my right hand, and, you know, maybe the Apostle Paul get the left hand. No, it's not like that. We all get seated with him. 
So Jesus is kind of breaking elitism, exclusivity that's in their minds, this special place that they want in their hearts, this recognition that they're looking for. He says, no, that's not what it's about. That's not what your life is about. Your life is not about recognition. Your life is not about an elitist position. It's not about titles. It's not about a throne and sitting over and reigning over somebody. Your life is about drinking the cup, the cup that I'm going to drink. <laughs> Your life is about undergoing a baptism that I'm about to undergo, and you will live that way. Well, when the other disciples heard this, they were ticked. They were really angry. Matthew and Mark. No, Mark wasn't one of them. Who's, who's the other disciples? Bartholomew, John, Thaddeus. They go, Judas. They were ticked with James and John and their mother. And it says, the Bible says they were greatly displeased. And Jesus says, oh boy, I need to step in before things come to blows and he he steps in between whatever is going on with those other 10 disciples and he calls them all together he has assigned have a discipleship and mother meeting <laughs> come on all of them he brings them together and he says listen you know that the rulers of the gentiles lorded over them and those who are great in the gentile culture Exercise authority over people, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as, and then he says this verse, Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is crazy, what he just says right there. It's a secret. How many of you want a secret to authority? A secret to power. A secret to the kingdom coming on earth. A secret to people coming to Jesus. He says, this is your example. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Be like that. Well, this is amazing. By calling himself the Son of Man here, the Son of Man was Jesus' favorite title about himself. He referred to himself as Son of Man 78 times in Scripture. He refers to himself as the Son of God six times. He refers to himself as the Christ one time. The Messiah one time. So what's the most important term to Jesus? Son of Man. Son of man. 
This is what he identified with. This is the way he, he wanted to people to know him as the Son of Man. And when calling himself the Son of Man, he's referring to this passage in Daniel 7, 13, and 14. He says, Behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And in so doing, people are going to serve him. That's what he's saying. The son of, when he says, I'm the Son of Man, he's referring to the point where he's going to come before the Father, the Father's going to give him the kingdom, and all authority is going to be invested in his body, in his nature, in his words. And as he speaks those words and sows them into the world, it's going to cause nations and languages and peoples to serve him. By telling his disciples, I didn't come to serve, but to, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, and that's what you should do. He's giving them an example. He's, he's, this is great, a great pathway to authority. It's authority to shift nations. This isn't a weak little religious thing Jesus is calling his disciples to do. Right before Jesus died, he, he was with his disciples and it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So he's about to express love like he's maybe never expressed it before to his disciples. And it says in John 13 that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he was coming from God and was going to God, he rose from supper. He got up from the dinner and he laid aside his outer garments and he took a towel and he wrapped it around himself. And he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And then he wiped their feet dry with the towel he had wrapped around him. And he answered and he said to them as he's doing this, what I'm doing, you don't understand. This is completely countercultural to the Gentile way of coming into authority. You don't understand this. But you will. You will understand this. Peter is like in his self-righteousness. He goes, you will never wash my feet. You're the Messiah. You're, you're, the, you're the son of the living God. I've had that revelation. You will not wash my feet. Jesus said, well, if, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. If you don't let me serve you, if you do not let me serve you, you are disqualified from the new covenant and you're going to remain forever under the law. 
Peter goes, oh, well, not my feet only, my hands, but do my head, do, do it all, Jesus. I want to be with you. I want in on what you're doing and who you are. Jesus, later on, he goes, if, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. Serve each other. You're not a big shot. I've been pastor, I don't know, forever. 30 years. 30 years this year. 30 years. And I, I love helping set up chairs. And people will come, oh, no, pastor, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. And go, what are you talking about? I appreciate, actually, the, the, the sense of honor. There's something good about that. But there's also a reality <clears throat> that I'm not called to lord it over people. I'm called to serve, to be a slave to whatever's going to make this thing work. I've given you an example, Jesus said, that you should do as I've done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who has sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Wow. How many of you want more blessing in your life? The Lord is, how many want more blessing in your family? I, see, I sense right now the Holy Spirit really just touching, ministering to husbands. How many of you want to see blessing come to your wives? Serve them. Minister to them. <laughs> build, build her up. How many of you want to see, like, the greatest move of God in Metro Detroit that Metro Detroit has ever known? I'm really serious. Serve children. Raise your children. Know that that assignment to raise your children is, is not a peripheral thing. Like, shut up the enemy's lies that says you should be doing a whole lot more. No, those child-rearing years take up pretty much everything. And you probably have a little bit left over for the community, but not much. Serve them. Love them. Bring them up in the discipline, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Like, pass on. Like, have Holy Ghost revival meetings in your living room. See them slain in the Holy Spirit. Bring them, like, open up the scriptures to them. Teach them everything you know about anything. I wish I raised my kids like that. I kicked in late. 
I kicked in. I was a good dad. I'm not, I mean, I tried. I did well. But I didn't kick in really strongly as a spiritual leader till, till Ben was eighth grade. Better late than never. Love your children. Wow. Can't you just feel like the Holy Spirit is just wanting to pour out his love in your hearts for your children? Oh, oh parents, open up right now. Let Jesus minister love in your hearts for your children. This is going to bring blessing to them. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus, if you know these things, you'll be blessed. How many want to see, like, the city blessed? Like, let Jesus pour out his love in your hearts for all the straying sheep in this community. There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of them. During his time on earth, Jesus served and ministered to his disciples. And Ephesians 5 tells us that even now, so that's what he did on earth. He washed their feet. He, he was their Lord and their teacher. He, he wasn't letting go of his responsibility to mature them as being an authority, but he did it by, with a spirit of a servant and Ephesians 5 says, you know, he did that on earth. That's the way he's functioning now in heaven. This is his current disposition toward us. Ephesians 5.25, Jesus talks about Jesus sanctifying and cleansing the assembly with the washing of water by the word. He's still picking up a basin of water. And he's like coming to where we're soiled in our hands and our feet and he's speaking a word and then drying us off. This is his ministry. He, he did it on earth. He's still doing it. He's still washing us with water. He washed them with water. He washed, he's washing us with water. It's, there's two words in the New Testament for washing. One has to do with washing extremities, different parts of your body, primarily your hands or your feet. There's another word for washing that means your whole body. In this passage, it's, it's everything. He's, he's washed. It's, it's the immersion of your being with water. This is his ministry to us. In John 13, it's just it's the hands and feet watering he does. So you just need a full-on immersion. <laughs> Whoa. You need your, your whole being just washed by Jesus' words. All of our imperfections and weaknesses, he loves those places to perfect his strength. You gotta open up. You gotta be so vulnerable to Jesus. Mm. If we're closing off our weaknesses to Jesus, we're missing out on the watering 
and really the type of leadership that then grows out of that culture is kind of a, it ends up being a false apostolic, false prophetic kind of environment that's just hard hitting and just wants to put an external thing over people and just, you know. How you doing? You okay? Tell me. Can somebody tell me something you're thinking or feeling right now? This is, if, if I were in a smaller group, I would, always, I would stop right here and just start. Someone's got to talk to me because I don't like doing one way. A Sunday morning sermons are, are harder for me than a smaller gathering. Because in a smaller gathering, I can, can stop and stop the one-way communication and say, tell me what's going on. What are you feeling? Free? Who said that? Oh, why do you feel free? Okay, somebody's got to translate. Tell me, what does she say? Say that again, Joe. Ben? (laughs) When you give Jesus your imperfections, he sets you free. And that makes you feel free. So are, are you feeling something inside that feels like a release to like trying to fix your imperfections or cover them up with your self-righteous, you're feeling something that's opening you up? Is, is that what you're feeling? Or what are you feeling? Okay, you can't use the word you. You have to use I. What was the last word you said? You're set free. How many of you are feeling set free on some level inside right now? Tell me about that. Someone tell me about that. Don't just tell me the principle or the concept, but tell me about what you're actually feeling in your real life. You want to bless them and serve them. Where in your life do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. Who else? Thank you, Carol. Yes, Matt. Ah, so you are seeing your job. And you see in your job, there's a lot of lording. And you were experiencing something shifting on the inside. 
where you are wanting to help those that you are overseeing do their jobs. You want to serve them so they do better. Oh, that's two different things. One, lording it over to try to get them to do better. The other is serving them so they do better. Two totally different systems. You just got the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And you'll be blessed, and so will the people that you work with. Blessing's going to open up. Joe, what were you feeling? So you're getting, you feel like you're getting hooked up. You're seeing Christ in a new way for who he is. You're being hooked up with the man. And it's causing you to feel safe and, and relaxed. Yeah. Something inside that was still driving and gritting the teeth is being relaxed now as you're being hooked up to Jesus who is a servant who's ministering to you how is that driving and gritting of the teeth manifesting in your life when did you, how do you when do you feel that and in what give me one example that we're <laughs> It's a system of self-betterment that kind of pervades your life. Give me one example. Government of your time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you've not been aware. Most people... Even people who have good time management, most, those people too, have issues with time. Most people are either self-righteous about time or condemned and chaotic and helpless concerning time. <laughs> okay, all the condemned, chaotic, hopeless people concerning time, raise your hand. Come on. I'm not going to ask who's self-righteous about time. <laughs> How many swing back and forth? <laughs> Listen, this area of time... It's where the devil is. And the devil was thrown down into time, and he's really angry. And he just makes it very difficult. The issue of time, he makes it very difficult. And some people going to, you know, can pull up on the law and govern their time. And said, let me teach you. 
Let me teach you about time management. You take all these little slots. You divide up your 24 hours and your seven days into slots. Lots of slots. And you put different colors around those slots, you chaotic, idiotic person who can't manage your time. <laughs> Let me tell you, Jesus wants to serve everybody on the issue of time. He wants to he wants to remove all your self-righteousness and any kind of thing you have about another person you know, if you have condemnations, like he wants to, he wants to deal with that. Like, how come they can't? And then all the helpless, trying, scurrying around really desperately, trying to get the work on time and get the assignment done on time and get home and get the dishes done on time and in time to go to the meeting and then, you know, got to wash the dishes in time before it's next tomorrow. There's too many dishes. And mm. So you're feeling relaxed? <laughs> So good. You know, we've got an amazing shepherd. I've been in an encounter with the shepherd the past couple weeks, and I didn't know it. I was just struggling with all the areas where I'm not measuring up. And it's, it's taken a couple weeks for the message to get through that he wants to serve me. And he wants to wash me with the water of his word. In those, He wants to speak to me where the law has been trying to speak to me. Hook us up, Jesus. Sanctify and cleanse this assembly. Is that verse up there in Ephesians? Look at that again. Sanctify and cleanse this assembly with the washing of water with the word. That's point number one. Christ is a servant of his body. Slot two. Christ is over his own house. Christ is a servant of his body, a minister. And he's over his own house, it says in Hebrews. Hebrews 3, 6 says, Christ as a son, is over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. <clears throat> Many of you may have heard that verse, seen that verse before. <clears throat> it's a powerful verse, but I want to help us grasp this verse 
look at it from a little different angle. I want us to see the pride, the investment, the sense of identity and purpose that Christ has in us. Because we're his own house. We, we are the product of Christ's maturity. Christ has come to a place of stature where he's been given his own house. This is amazing. He's a man. We've watched many young men in our church over the years get discipled. They they embrace discipline which helps them come out from being a boy to becoming a man. We've watched that happen. And we've watched these men get training or higher education to be equipped to be productive in life. We've watched that happen and we've watched them, we've watched these men land their first adult job. Don't you love that first adult job? (laughs) Some are still waiting. Lord, release adult jobs. (laughs) Seriously. And we've watched these young men start courting a young woman. We've watched them save up money to buy a house. They get married and they move into the house. That guy has his own house. That guy has his own house. I'm ringing somewhere, either here or there, or everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not just a physical house, but it's, it's a family line that he's now the head of. This pattern was started by God when he made Adam and Eve. It says in Genesis 2, And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable, very similar to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs, and he closed up the flesh in its place. And Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore, the next verse, for this reason, according to this pattern, so this verse, well, let me just say, therefore, a man shall leave his father and a woman, leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So that verse, see that verse up there? Um, go back up one. There should be one. No? Okay. Can you put up Genesis 2.24? We need to see this verse. You can use your Bibles, too. It's the old-fashioned way. Are you with me? Are you in it for the long haul? There it is. Look, at, it's in your Bible or on the front. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Wait. There hasn't even been a mother or father yet. <laughs> he just made a woman. Brand new. She, this, one of these creatures has never been around before. She brought him to the man. The man named her because he was given the job to name. He named her woman. He was called Ish, and she's called Isha. He named her Isha, woman. He's Ish, man. He's, she's Isha, woe man. There's not been any children. So right at this, and God brings them together, and <clears throat> they become, he calls this woman, he, he, he says, that um, this is now. There's a now moment when God brings the woman and the man together. There's this now moment, and now she is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Therefore, which could also be said for this reason or according to this pattern. This verse is quoted two other times in Scripture, Genesis 2.24. Jesus quotes it in Matthew 19 when he's teaching about marriage and divorce. He's saying divorce is not a good thing because God is the one who brought those two together. And what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So let there be no divorce. Let, let there be only God bringing people together and let God keep them together their whole entire life. Let that be in our community. Let there be a multiplication of God-made marriages over the next 10 years. In the name of Jesus, let the Spirit of God just hover over this region, hover over the world, and bring people together. So, God brought them together. There's a now moment where they're one. And then the Spirit comments on what just happened and says, this is a divine pattern. This, what just happened, is going to be repeated. What God did with Adam and Eve will be repeated. 
Therefore, according to this pattern, for this reason, in the future, a man is going to come out of this union and he's going to leave that union, that family, and be joined to his wife. And there's going to be another now moment where there'll be a man and a wife and there'll be bone of the bone and flesh of flesh together. Paul quotes this same verse when teaching on the nature of the relationship of Christ with his body, which is his bride. God established a pattern in Adam and Eve. And this verse tells us this pattern is from here to four, according to Jesus' teaching in Matthew 19 and Paul's teaching in Ephesians 5, this pattern from this verse is going to govern the social and spiritual order of the planet. And this is the way the kingdom is going to come. It's a social order. And it's a spiritual order. It's the way families get formed, and it's the way the body gets formed. That's the earth and heaven order on the earth. Families in a body. So when the spirit woke me up and said, build up the individual, build up the family, build up the body, he's moving toward a kingdom manifestation that's going to Push out evil principalities and powers in cities, in our city. This is a, there's a pattern here. Man is put to sleep. How many of you, how many of you want to be on God's developing social and spiritual order? Well, you got to be put to sleep. There's so much in this. Young men. You who are looking for wives, young women, you are looking for husbands. Let the Lord put you to sleep. Let him serve you in this area so there's no more striving. God wants you to find your identity completely in Christ. So much so that you're buried with him. You're, you're in the tomb. It is, you're, you're asleep. This is the pathway to maturity. To be buried with Christ and you begin manifesting a Christ life in every arena of your life, young men and young women. This makes you ready. I, I this Lord... <clears throat> Let there be such a renewal of discipleship. Like roll out of heaven with something that wants to put an I know that filter on being in Christ. Restore the mystery of being in Christ and put it in young men's and young women's heart from an early age to want to discover what a life in Christ is all about. Let it govern their teen years, dominate their 20s, and let it establish families. 
Some of you might want to just see a renewal. How many of you want to see a renewal in your marriage, a renewal in your family? Let there be a renewal of your mysterious union with Christ. Let God put you to sleep. This is the pattern. Man is put to sleep. God forms a man's spouse while he's asleep. I don't know. If if I were a young guy right now and wanted to get married, I'd say, put me to sleep. Like, do whatever it takes to put me to sleep. Because while I'm sleeping, God is forming my spouse. God then brings the woman to the man. God brings the woman to the man. This is the way it is in God's social heavenly order on the earth. God brings the woman to the man, and then the man then leaves his father and his mother. Is that up there, that pattern? Then the two become one to serve the purposes of the kingdom on the earth. When that happens, the man's got his house, his own house. It's what happened to Christ. He left his home. God sent him out of his house with the Father. And he went to sleep on the cross. And while he was asleep on the cross, God took something out of his side. He opened up his side. And you and I came out of that side. That blood and that water is what's forming a bride. And Upon his ascension, when he went into heaven and God said, you're my son, here's the spirit. And he, Christ then poured out the spirit on us and there's a now moment when the spirit comes into your heart. We're now bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That's what it says in Ephesians 5. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. So whatever that verse was in Genesis 2 was ultimately about Christ and his body. So Jesus took on flesh, and he through his life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection, he was looking forward to inheriting his own house. He was a man. He was a man and he wanted a house. He wanted a family line. The father had destined this for him. He destined that his son would would go through a process of maturity and stature building so he could inherit a bride and have children. The father was overseeing the whole process. Christ was courting us. Now the son has us. He's got us. He loves us. 
He's so proud of us. He earned us. He did it. He walked through the steps of obedience and sacrifice to to obtain the stature to be our husband, our leader, our head. Christ has come into his own. We're it. We're of his bone. And of his flesh. Something religious concerning Christ in his house is breaking off of our life. Christ wants us to feel and see his pride. He's proud. I was so proud of my first apartment that Lisa and I moved into when we were married. I made $6,700 a year. What more could you ask for? She felt we were so rich, she didn't have to work. We were living the good life. Roaches all over that apartment. It was wonderful. How do you get rid of the roaches? You turn on the light, take your slippers off, and whack them on the way to the bathroom. I was so proud. I, I literally, I thought we had the coolest apartment in the world. We were right on the corner of Cass, I mean, Forest and Second. Literally, we were 20 feet from the stoplight at Second and Forest. Every time red, yellow, or green turned, it right into our living room. What could be better than that? Bay windows. I was so proud. Had my little Chevette diesel, 60 miles per gallon. That's a picture of Christ when we come together. Look at these guys. This is, I won them. I did it. I went through the steps of maturing and was given a bride. Now I get to help her come out of whatever the way they think about themselves. That isn't the way I think. That is hard. We don't think of ourselves the way Jesus does. If we did, we'd let him minister to us. We wouldn't live in denial 
about our weaknesses and try to cover it up with our weaknesses with other activity or, well, I'll just concentrate on my strengths. <laughs> While all my weaknesses is causing my life to just almost fall apart, but that's okay. <laughs> Gracie, let, let me help you, bride. Let me minister to you. Let me wash you until you totally see yourself the way I do, right here by my side, right here on the throne. How are you ever in the world going to get it up to that level? I'm serious. How are you ever going to get to the level of apostolic authority that changes nations? When you can't even get your little calendar in order. I tell you, he's going to serve us all the way from where we are all the way up there. He's going to wash us with the water of his word. (laughs) And when we get up there, we're like... Ain't nobody did this but Jesus. (laughs) Christ also loves the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, cleanse her with the washing of water, with the word that he might present her to himself. He's got a job. Let the Lord do his job. Seriously, all you religious demons that are speaking into our heads, be gone. Be gone. We are going to let the Lord do his job. It's his job to present us to himself, a glorious people, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish, sanctify and cleanse the assembly with the washing of water, with the word. This is his job. Grace to you and peace. Greetings amongst us. Grace to you and peace from him who was and who is and who is to come. That's a big God. And from the seven spirits before his throne. Grace to you from the seven spirits. (laughs) And from Jesus Christ, the the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Grace to you and peace from him. To him who loves us and washes us from our sins in his own blood and makes us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Your new man never gets out of the being made process. You you never arrive. You, you, You don't ever accomplish this state. 
of righteousness, holiness, and awesome authority. No, you're just in a, you're, you're living in one who loves you. You're, you're living in this. This is, this, is, this is what a disciple does. They live in this. They live in love. They live in washing, and they live in being made. And just when you, just when you think you've got it made, you have, you, so, the Lord just allows something to happen to start the cycle all over. What a quirky way of living. The Lord spoke to me and says, I'm making quirky people. Here's quirky. Are you up for it? Can you handle it? Can you handle this life? Can you handle this life where you're being loved? washed and made and then revealed where you're trying to make it and it humbles you to go through the process again of being loved, washed, and made. Okay, I think you're, you are. We're married. Christ has a house. The house has an identity. We have identity. We we have a future, which is to be partners with him and reign with him on the earth. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we're going to reign in real life. That's another way of saying on the earth, in real life. Okay, last point. Christ is speaking to build up his house. First point. The house that Jesus builds undoes enemy strongholds in the city because that's where this is going. That's the first point. Second point. Christ is a servant of his body. Third point, Christ is over his own house. And last point, Christ is speaking to build up his house. I think my numbers are off on the screen, but you can handle it. Okay, let's, let's close this out. Let's get done with this. Hebrews 3 says, Christ as a son is over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So we need to rejoice over ourselves the way Christ is rejoicing over us. We need to be confident in ourselves the way he's confident in what he's done inside us. He's very confident with what he's put in us. we got to just live that way to the end. Therefore, 
as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort and encourage one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. We're good, a good wife, a helper comparable and suitable to him. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, we need to be a good wife. He's a great husband. He's a great leader, is he not? We need to be a good partner, one suitable to him. How do we do that? We hold the beginning of our confidence. Don't let go of your confidence. Deal with whatever is undermining your confidence in the blood of Jesus. Your confidence is not in yourself. Your confidence is in the blood of Jesus. We must deal with the enemy's voice that comes day and night to undermine our confidence in the blood of Jesus. Steadfast to the end. This will make us the suitable companion to Christ and allow us to reign on the earth. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. So the writer of Hebrews proclaims that we're the house. Christ has his own house. Then, from there, he immediately, actually, he just kind of gets suspended and the Holy Spirit breaks in. Okay, the writer of Hebrews says, we're the house of Christ. Christ is the son over his own house. Are we the, are we the house? Christ is the son over us. The spirit breaks in right there and goes, oh, I got to talk. You know, the spirit does that. It's so, it's so wild. Well, you'll, you know, a writer in scripture, which is being inspired by the Holy Spirit, every, every, everything in there is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The men spoke as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. But at, at, sometimes as they're writing, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, I'm breaking in on an even more flagrant Real, explicit level. I need everybody to know what, I'm about, what is about to be said is coming from the Holy Spirit. We've been made his house. Spirit says, oh, I've got to say something to them right now. If you hear today, if you will hear his voice, don't Harden your heart. Beware, brethren, lest in any of you there be an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort and encourage one another. The Spirit is saying, hello, hello. You've got the potential to reign on earth. You have a potential. You're, you've been made the, com the, the, the comparable companion to Christ. Now, watch out for a hard heart. Watch out for a hard heart. This is like, this is, you got to deal with this every day. Watch out for the hard heart. And all of you, say all of us, encourage and exhort one another. You will never reign in life unless you're in the, the, the frequency of the body. 
Because the frequency of the body is just echoing the word of Christ that's washing us. And we all are hearing that. Some of us are hearing better than others. And on the days where I'm not hearing better than someone else, I said, talk to me. Help me hear. We're to encourage one another, exhort one another. How often? While it's called today. What the Spirit is doing right here is very similar to what the Father did on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is shining like the sun and this bright cloud overshadowed Christ and the disciples and suddenly a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Christ is speaking. Oh, Lord, it's 12.53. The ears start turning off around 12.51. We're so familiar. We're so familiar with the sentence Christ is speaking that we lose the mystery, the wonder, the awe that is our life. Jesus is speaking. He's speaking words to wash us through each other so our hearts don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of discouragement, doubt, unbelief. Bitterness, depression, heaviness. Paul says in Colossians 2, I want you to know what a great conflict I'm having for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be... I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be. It's a, it takes somebody in a great conflict to keep a people encouraged. <clears throat> Keeping a people encouraged is a full-time job. It's a battle. Some of you need to go back to basic training to be ready to get on the big leagues, to learn how to bat well, to be come up for your turn to hit and 
hit a single or a double or a triple or a home run. The Spirit is charging you. Learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Learn how to encourage and build up your family. Learn how to encourage and build up the body so that we may encourage and build up the city. Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me to speak words, to preach, to speak words that address four heart conditions. These heart conditions, if they're not dealt with, the body will never mature into oaks of righteousness. Brokenheartedness. A state of imprisonment or captivity. Mourning. A spirit of heaviness. Those four things. The spirit, it takes the spirit of the sovereign Lord on a man to speak words that break the spirit of heaviness, that heal brokenheartedness, that set captives free, that turn mourning into dancing. That's why Paul says, you were called as one body, let by all means. By all means, do whatever it takes to pop yourself out of a self-focus and get a cone around your neck that causes you to have this, you're looking up and you're just having words pour into you. This, the Holy Spirit, I just saw that. I just saw these cones on everybody's heads and you, you just were like, and the, the pathway to hearing was opening up. You're popping into a new place of hearing. You must, you must get here. By the Holy Spirit, not by yourself ever. He's giving this to you. A new capacity, a greater capacity. We're never going to get across where we're going. We're crossing over into a harvest to see demonized people really set free and their whole spheres of authority and influence transformed by the gospel. We're crossing over to that, and we're crossing over into seeing a church occupying in civil government. We're never going to overcome the winds of resistance to that unless we have an increased capacity to hear the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let him speak. Believe that he speaks.
That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. And he who prophesies edifies the assembly. This is, the, this is what we do. Hello? This is what we do. We edify ourselves and we edify the body. You have a job. Build yourself up and build the body up. The Aramaic Bible says, he who speaks in languages. You need more languages. Builds himself up and he prophesies. He who prophesies builds the church up. Many translations put the word but in here. He who is speaking in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the assembly. And it, it, it sets this whole tone in 1 Corinthians 14. By the word but, it sets this kind of competition between tongues and prophecy. And of course, tongues is like, it's okay, but prophecy. Oh, 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 oh. Don't allow speaking in tongues in the church. No, no, no. I, I think the trans, many of the translators got it wrong, and these guys got it right. The Aramaic Bible and the literal standard version. It's and. Speak. Get a cone on your head. And let some heavenly languages come in. <clears throat> which causes mysteries to be uttered in your spirit that spring up then into your understanding and cause all of the scriptures to come alive to you. Don't leave that lifestyle for heaven's sake because if you leave that, you don't have anything to say to the body. Edify yourself and then edify the body. The word translated as edification literally means building up, to build a house, to erect a building, to build up something from the foundations. I just charge you. I charge you. The Lord's charging me. Charging me. Build yourself up to a place of encouragement in your heart until you're buoyant. Until you're buoyant, let the word come in richly in every type of language possible, but especially English. And every language that comes in ultimately is going to go to English in your brain or maybe Spanish in yours. Let it come in until everything that's heavy Mourning, brokenhearted, discouraged, just starts melting away. Build yourself up. Get yourself a house. Like, I just feel this authority, but I, I don't think I should express it. I think you need to express it. Claim your house. Get your house. Open up the heavens. 
and get the words coming in. I tell you, this will bring down principalities and powers that have been in place for generations, generations, generations that have torn people's brains down. They've torn their bodies down. They've torn marriages down. Those principalities and powers will be bound. They literally will lose their grip in the wake of a believer who's receiving from heaven. Get your house. Fight for your house by building yourself up. Break the curses off your generational line. Break it off of you. Fill your homes with many languages from heaven. Be unapologetically charismatic. Only the charismatics are gonna win in the last days. foundation which is in you Christ in you build up that house that person that you are in Christ that family that is destined to come out of you teens don't wait to your 20s to begin building your house This is not a formula. Out! Out! Discouragement out! And encouragement in! It's the only way to build. speaks languages edifies himself give us more languages Holy Spirit take all the stale static mechanical vibe out of speaking in tongues and give us a fluid fluid fluent heavenly language system oh here it comes it's rolling down out of heaven here's a fresh outpouring it came in the 60s on the Jesus movement and the charismatic movement. What's about to roll down in the 2020s will be unlike anything we've ever seen. We're going to see a restoration of the apostolic outpouring of tongues. 
It'll be in the marketplace. Mark my words. It will be in the marketplace. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is on the house will be in the city. Leave, leave your generational curses. Leave them. Come into your heavenly inheritance. Thank you, Holy Spirit. No mandia bashana manamene conte basata basha. Mandubale metombe brambaba bachende. Fasambunke barbare shutuba. Silaman tebro. Balamande ge berendisha de vemenga hasha. Benjiti vi shinga bahondo soche le bacanta shakada basha. Shenameheke sekerehende. Balamashana manahete sakama machete. Ranga baba bashana manamokote. Manamana mashande kerele sete. Thank you, Lord. You're pushing back, pushing back the boundaries. Our spiritual boundaries are, are pushing out to the right and to the left, to the north and to the south. Thank you, Lord. This is the word of the Lord over MDCC. Cones, a broader sphere of heaven coming in and a broader sphere of heaven going out. He who speaks in a tongue builds his house up. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mm. Construct it, construct it, construct it. Pray in the Spirit, then pray with your understanding. Get some understanding from the Holy Spirit. Let Him spring up from the inside of you to give you understanding, give you words, give you pictures that translate into understanding in English and build your house out of these words. Build your children out of these words. Build up your body to get healing. Increased fluidity is your portion, it's grace. It's grace. Grace is coming on this assembly for increased fluidity in praying with heavenly languages that result in understanding. Oh, it's so good.
Yeah, the Spirit is going to meet you at the coffee cup. I hear the Lord saying, the Spirit of the Lord is saying, I'm going to meet you at the coffee pot. You're going to touch the coffee pot, and there's the Holy Spirit. Ready to intercede. Ready to be your advocate. Ready to be your teacher. Ready to take what's in heaven and make it your day. That's what the Lord's saying. I'm going to meet you at the coffee cup. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, you're washing the formulas off our life. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, just build yourself up. Build yourself up. Someone's about to pop in to a new level of inheritance. You're about to speak your way into a new job. That's what I hear the Holy Spirit say. The new job is right there. Build yourself up into it. Get alcoholism out. Just get it out. Just get it out. Get addiction out. You got to be addicted to something. You might as well be addicted to the Holy Spirit. Hey, get the addictions out and get the Holy Spirit in. Get addicted to heaven encouraging you. Like be sick and tired with discouragement and doubt and denial that causes you to run to your addictions to find comfort. Get them out, get them out right now. Get your addictions out, get your denials out. Oh, some sexual dysfunction just left in somebody's life. I just saw it just leave. That lust pornography masturbation cycle. Something just left a man as he's praying in the Holy Spirit. That demonic cycle just left you. It left your body. Ha ha. 
you, Lord. You're so good the way you reinforce people. You build people. Thank you, Lord. Speaking in tongues is way more than just a charismatic thing you do in church. It's just way more than that. It's the powers of the age to come. <laughs> Coming to find a home with you and I. It's a manifestation of that. You know, I've, I've heard some of you speak a mean tongue. A mean tongue. Just like, just rip it up the devil kind of tongue. I've heard some of you, I've heard, I've, I've watched Phoebe over the years. Like the Holy Spirit comes on her and just, you know, this, this fire, electricity. Just boom. Here comes a devil, demon, destroying language. Hit her with that fire, Lord. <laughs> Here. Like, <laughs> your body's too weak for the fire, but your spirit's not. Lord, release those devil-destroying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Speaking in tongues is fun. Hey! I had a whole thing on prophecy. We're not going to go there today. It's just because the Lord just wants you to be built up. Let's look at this one final verse from Jude 120. It says, you, dear friends. I like that. <laughs> he doesn't say, now you, dear flaming Pentecostal believers. This is you, dear friends. <laughs> By building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love. So this whole thing is unto something. It's not an end in itself. By building yourself up in your most holy faith, you're keeping yourself surrounded by love and mercy. Keep yourself in God's love, expecting. It keeps you expectant. Expectant 
of punishment. <laughs> Expectant of mercy. This is our assignment as Gentiles with all sorts of weaknesses. Expect mercy for your weaknesses. Hey. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> Let the things that disqualify you become the things that qualify you. This is your assignment. Let Christ minister to you. His body and his blood make you one flesh with him. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. He presents you. He's, his, he's got a job. I'm telling you, his job is so massive. <laughs> Just with one person. Let alone nations. I hear, I hear the Lord saying to me, get off your high horse. Let me do my job. I'm big enough. Come on. Let's get all get off of our high horses. Hey! <laughs> we say yes to you, Lord. Yes to you, Jesus. Hey! Minister to us. Minister to the world. Pour out your Holy Spirit on all flesh, Lord. So... In our small groups in the next couple of weeks, there's just going to be increased like this. It's going to be really easy to prophesy. Like, I've been, like the last couple of weeks, like, you know, I'm, the Lord's exposing all my weaknesses. And I know. And I go into, you know, my classes, sit down, feel like a not like an overcomer. It's going to say something else, but <laughs> those you can discern, you probably heard the words. <laughs> Let him who has ears hear. Don't feel like an overcomer. I just open my mouth several different times, and out comes prophecy. He's so eager to speak. That's going to happen. It's going to just slip in in the middle of your bad mode. Hey! Whoa! <laughs> okay, I, I just, I double dog dare you to just like believe God that all your bad moods are an occasion for Jesus to speak. Say yes to that one, please. Let him break in. Day and night, in all sorts of situations. 
Let him encourage you and build you up. What did he say in the middle of those things? I don't remember. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens when you're 64 and charismatic. <laughs> you, you give the word and forget it. <laughs> Lord, I really thank you. So <clears throat> prophecy is going to be really strong. Like, you might just want to just pull it down into your house as well while you're at it. Like, break this church family life barrier down. It's for our lives. I'm, I'm doing that, honey. I, I, I just say, more, more of you, Jesus, in our living. Break in, Lord, with your word. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to Lisa and I about our family. Encourage us. Build us up. <clears throat> us and the dogs. Build them up, Lord. They need it. So wired. Let peace come upon these puppies. Well, I feel a little drunk. I just bless you with that. We, anybody who just wants a little more on your way out. Uh, she's got her cone up, I see. <laughs> Get your cone up. <laughs> Grace and peace to you. Sanctifying grace and tranquilizing peace. Be yours in abundance. Oh. Lord had me resign all my roles. He just started listing them all out. He goes, resign. <laughs> give your notice. He kept saying, give your notice. Who wants to resign your roles and just be one, a child that receives the spirit, a son, a daughter? Hey. This will let something into your business, I'm telling you. You walk in this, something's going to sneak up on your coworkers, your clients. They won't know it hit, hit them. Mm.
praise you, Lord. Pastor John, would you close us in prayer? I love our pastors. I love our pastoral team. They're my pastoral team. Hey, it's my house, and I'm also in their house. Hey, what a house we got, man. We got a, are you in, are you in the right house? Get in the right house, the house that Jesus is building. Thank you, Pastor John. Thank you, Jesus. You are building this house. We receive your speaking. I receive your speaking over me and my home and my house and my family and my wife. I receive hey. your speaking. Thank you, God, for the prophetic word that is building your house, building my life, building this body, building our cities by your word. We thank you for this, this word that's coming forth to achieve, to, to fulfill it's purpose. Thank you for this. God, I hear you speaking out of Isaiah 40. Comfort ye, my people. Comfort ye, my people. There's the strengthening of the word of God that's coming to you by the voice of prophecy yeah. through his yeah. word that's coming to strengthen and edify you, to comfort and edify mm. you by his word that's coming. And that word is, is, is not just comfort, it's strengthening that's coming to you to fulfill his purposes. Thank you, Lord. So I thank you, God, for the word that's been released this morning. Yeah. Thank you. You are building your house, Jesus. Yeah. Don't just, don't, don't stop. Oh, God, don't, don't stop. Don't give up. Keep coming. Keep coming. And I know you won't give up, God. I know your word will be fulfilled through us. But my heart is to say, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Thank you for Pastor Pete. Thank you for the word that's coming through him. I thank you that he is faithfully leading us, leading us to, to walk in your purposes. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for this. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed wrestling with the Word and the Spirit as you engaged with this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.metrodetroit.org. And have a great week.